0: everybody, this is David opposing the Matrix. It is 1110 in the evening. Yes, it's still the same day. I'm getting starting early um, on the 2nd of uh, August, uh, 2020. Um, yes, I'm home on a uh, Sunday. I was home yesterday too. Um, went to the doctor, had a diagnosis of a little bit of pneumonia in my right lung, so my antibiotics to get off of that. I don't know. This has been one heck of a year, let me tell you. Um, It seems like the more you start fighting against the enemy, the more that you uh, take on in the way of physical ailments and things like that. But you know what? This reality is only temporary. And the next and final and real reality is permanent and eternal. And whatever happens on this one happens. Um, I'm just working towards the next one, if you know what I mean in essence, I'm taking the train from here to New York so I can catch a flight from New York to Jerusalem. So (laughs) um, looking at it in sort of uh, uh, earthly terms, although the comparison was really cheap, uh, and I apologize for that. So um, last Monday, we did a a show called Chain-Linked Reality, and we talked about realities and and how our present one might be like a, a, a chain link fence. And, uh, you know, that we're all tied together at four points because each fence, chain link fence, has, is made up of loops that are basically squares that are tied up on all four ends. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute again. But um, the reason I'm doing this show tonight is that, uh, like I said, the last show was only two hours. And there's only so much you can do in two hours and when you have four people uh, hosting a radio show uh you know, to be fair you have to give time to everybody and so if you have an idea that might go past uh um a half hour um it wouldn't be fair not to share the uh the other uh hour and a half with uh with the other people so um i shared what i could but i, I just wanted to expound a little more tonight about what i was trying to get at the other night and uh, hopefully I, I can make myself more clear. Plus, I want to read from a couple of articles. Um, a lot of people are using the terms uh, alternate uh, universes or parallel universes and parallel realities uh, interchangeably, and I don't think that that's right. Um, I think that there could be a variety of realities that exist in one universe, but when you start talking about alternate universes, that's that's a whole other ball game. Okay, that um, that could be. You know, let's let's just say for entertainment purposes here <laughs> that uh, there were 15 other universes. That would mean that there's a possibility that there's 15 other Earths. That uh, there's 15 other you and me. Um, and that's just if there's one reality in each universe. Okay. Um, I don't believe in multiverses because it it presents a lot of problems. I believe in multiple realities in one universe and, um, and that can be proven quite well. We tried to prove it the other day, um, on the radio and I'll do that again tonight. But, um, there, the fact that there are multiple universes just like the fact that there are multiple earths in this one universe that we live in, I don't know particularly, um, <clears throat> subscribe to that I wrote a, a book I um, can't remember the name of it right now but it's on the delusion resistance and it talks all about uh, the uh, the possibilities of uh, uh, there being multiple me's and use in this universe and uh, uh, from a biblical standpoint the fact that uh, there can't be uh, because if one if creation had fallen from a biblical aspect, if creation had fallen, uh, with Adam and Eve, then the whole creation is corrupt. And, um, how fair would it be uh, to beings that might live on other planets that they would have to suffer because of what one planet did, you know, and you could use the argument, well, how fair is it that you and I have to suffer because of what Adam and Eve did or Adam and Chaba, if you want to use the Hebrew terms. Um, how fair is that? Well, there there are parents, and there are generational curses, and this is one, one heck of a generational curse, uh, sin and death is. Um, but there's a remedy for that, and that remedy came 2,000 years ago on a cross and at a resurrection. We'll get into that probably at the end of this. But um, and the fact that uh, Yeshua himself used the term that he died once and for all, uh, pretty well seals it up for me that there cannot be other planets otherwise he'd have to be going he'd have to be planet hopping for eternity um or da- dang near eternity because there'd be that many earths and stuff out there and that many civilizations that he would have to redeem and I don't see that happening I'm sorry but uh you may argue with me all you want but um I don't think you're right anyway <clears throat> the other day I sat down and I started writing because I wanted to get this idea of uh, multiple, we're um, like realities, I should say, uh, down on paper because uh, a lot of times we say things on this radio show and, you know, things are said and ideas come up and and a lot of times they're good, most of the time they're good things and they're good ideas, but you tend to forget what they were. And uh, But if you get it down on paper, then you can always go back and you can always look at what you had been reading or talking about in the past and um, you can refer back to it. And um, plus, if you've made a mistake, you can change it. Um, And sometimes things change and you have to amend things. So um, that's why writing things down is is very important. Uh, uh, When I wrote Unholy Communion, I had to go back in and I had to change a couple of things because things had changed, you know, not much. You know, mostly I had to write somebody out of the book, basically, (laughs) for the most part, um, giving them credit for some of the contributions that they made, of course, and what those were, Um, I kept in there, but for the most part, uh, that person had nothing to do with writing the book, although the publisher tried to write him into it, so Um, anyway, uh, like I do late at night, uh, every once in a while, I'm going to take a sip of coffee, and today I got kind of smart and turned my fan off. Because I realized the fan is blowing on the coffee cup and cooling it off a lot faster than I want it to cool off. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I hate cold coffee. If you drink iced coffee, well, God bless you, but I don't know how you do it. Okay, thank you for allowing me that little sip. That really helps. Uh, Last night, or the night before, excuse me, I can't remember. Um, I did a show, and toward the end, my voice was getting very raspy, and I had to cut it off. But, uh, so, um, going into this, I might go into some of the stuff that I went into the other day. Uh, but stuff has been added, and stuff has, nothing's really changed, but, um, some other ideas came to my head while I was uh, writing this. So, um, it's, uh, it's going to be a little different, but it's, it's going to be the same but different, if that makes any sense. It's going to expound basically upon what was the foundation that was set on Monday night. So I'll be reading from this document. So if it sounds like I'm reading from something, I am. Okay. Um, nothing is more annoying than watching some a public speaker, and it's a good thing this isn't video because I don't like watching public speakers and seeing their head down all the time. And I've done that myself, and I didn't like when I did that. But it can't be helped. Uh, Some people can memorize a page at a time and can speak that page um, and then, you know, turn turn the page and then and basically have a photographic memory and and say what they have to say uh, and just appear to look down from time to time. Uh, But most people look down and they take their eyes off of the audience or but seeing that this is radio, I don't have to worry about that. Right. (laughs) You don't know where my eyes are going. Um, however, they're going to be straight ahead during the show, looking at this document and other things I wanted to, uh, tell you about. So, um, a couple of days ago, I was, uh, talking to, uh, Jim, uh, Jim has been a ministry partner for a long time, uh, since 2005. So was that, uh, 10, 15, almost, almost 16 years. And, um. And a very valuable one. And, you know, a lot of us think that Jim are, aren't, are uh, attached at the hip, and we're not. <laughs> you know, we're just two guys that happen to think alike about a lot of things. And, well, we share the same God, and we talk to the same Holy Spirit, and he talks to us. So, of course, a lot of our messages are going to be the same. But um, there are things that Jim believes in that um, I haven't come to terms with yet, and and I'm kind of busy right now, so um, I don't have time to look into things further. But there are some, a couple of areas of doctrine that he and I don't agree with, and uh, and that's okay. But as long as we agree with the uh, the foundational elements of our faith, and and many other things, and um, it's okay with me. Uh, it'd be an awful boring world if everybody thought the same, don't you think? Um, You you couldn't come home and and tell your spouse something new that happened today because she'd already know. Um, Or uh, you couldn't go out on a date and tell somebody what you were like because they'd already know. And you basically just sit around uh, eating and drinking wine and maybe laughing a little bit. Um, And if you were out to dinner, so to speak, or or coming home and watching TV, but you would know the content that's going to be on TV because everybody's the same. Right. Man, what a boring world that would be. So I'm glad people are different. I'm not happy about people that are so different that they want me to be like them because that ain't happening. I'm sorry. Um, I'm me and the Lord made me a certain way. And um, and it's a good thing. Uh, Paul talks about that. And I think we might talk about that a little later in this document um, where, you know, one person is the arm. Another person is a hand. Another person is an eye. Um, and all of us come together to make one body, and uh, that the hand has no right to say to the to the ear, "I have no need of you," or the eye has no right to say to the foot, "I have no need of you." Um, you yeah, try walking around with two eyes and only one foot um, It's pretty difficult uh, people can do it; they come back from war all the time and wear prosthesis and or uh, sit in wheelchairs and stuff like that, so it can be done but it's it's a different life it's a changed life and it's not the the life that you started out with at the beginning so and if you were born um with a deficiency or something then then I apologize I didn't mean to be um insensitive but um for the most part you know it's um I'm glad I, I my life has been enriched by people that are different than me and people that have challenged me and in my thoughts and in, uh, in my actions. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's important that we listen to those people too, because a lot of times they're right. And I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being, being a believer in Yeshua and being corrected by an unbeliever. Um, especially if they're atheists. And, (laughs) uh, so that's why it's important that we watch our ways. But anyway, so I was talking with Jim and, um, Cause Jim is, is pretty astute when it comes to quantum physics, uh, quantum physicists will tell you that they don't even understand quantum physics fully. So to say that Jim does, um, would be a lie. Jim knows that he doesn't understand quantum physics. He he understands it on an elementary basic level, just like me, probably, but you know, more in depth than I do, but, um, cause he studied it longer, but, um. Uh, we, both of us have found examples of it within the Bible, which is real interesting. And and you would expect to find that because the God that created heaven and earth also created quantum physics. And of course, he's going to mention it in his word. You just have to know where to look for it or how to, um, uh, discern it when you read it in scripture. Okay. And it's really neat because, you know, you'll be sitting there reading scripture and all of a sudden you'll say, you say to yourself, that looks Interesting. You know, that something will always pique your imagination or your curiosity. And you'll say, I got to look farther into that. And <laughs> I'll give you an example of that right down below. But um, it's, it's just real interesting how and, and a blessing, really, how how the Holy Spirit works and, and teaches us out of the, out of, of Scripture. And, you know, before I was a believer in Yeshua, I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me. And I tried to understand um scripture, and I did in part, um, but uh, I didn't understand. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, uh, Well, a simple example would be, you know, setting a a fence post up in a cement cement within a hole. You know, you know that cement gets hard and holds the pole there but you don't know why the cement gets hard you don't know that it needs curing you don't know that um, if you don't use the right mixture of gravel and and, um, cement to make concrete that uh, you're going to have a weak uh, post there And uh, you don't know that you have to level the post and you have to make sure that it's it's horizontal and it's plumb and everything else and not horizontal vertical uh, and plumb and everything else and So you you know that it works, but you don't know all the steps. And and that's the neat thing what the Holy Spirit does. Um, To people that don't know the Lord and don't have the Holy Spirit to explain Scripture to them, uh, the Bible is a book of neat allegories and stories and and moral and ethical lessons that uh, people should live by. But those of us who know him, who know him um, personally, who have an intimate relationship with the with the god of the universe through his son yeshua um we have a a one up on everybody else because we don't know just the uh what but we know the why who where when and how and um uh, and we're still learning we don't know everything but uh when god thinks that we need to know something he uh he explains it to us in a way that uh that the uh, people that don't know him cannot possibly understand that's why (coughs) pardon me that's why i think the uh the devil is so um uh impotent when it comes to uh reading scripture and trying to understand and trying to destroy it basically or trying to destroy god's plans because he can read it as a story but he can't understand the intent um so anyway uh I mean, for the created being to say that he wants to be like he he wants to be like the most high. Well, sorry, you can't be like the most high because he's the most high (laughs) and he created everything. He created you. So how can you be like the person that created you? You can't. You know, you could take on the characteristics of a lot of characteristics of the person that created you because he worked his creation in you. But, um, you cannot take on his personality and you cannot take on his persona. Um, so, um, now I've known about some of the elements of physics, like the law of thermodynamics, uh, the laws of gravity, um, which are quite evident and become more evident the older you get. And I tell people all the time when I drop something, I said, Well, that floor just keeps getting further away the older you get. You know, bending over isn't as easy as it used to be, and I swear the floor is getting farther away. I know it's not, but it sure seems like it. Um, So the elements of gravity which are ever-changing and and other things that that are observable in everyday life. Now, I've always been as far back as I can remember, and I can remember back pretty far. um, I can remember being a young child. I was, man... Let's see, I was almost three years old when my sister was born, and I can, I, I actually have a memory of uh, being in the living room with my dad, wondering where my mom was, and being told that she was in the hospital, having my, and she had my baby sister, and, and thinking about, hmm, my sister, now what's a sister going to be like? You know, I've always been the kind of person that thinks ahead or tries to mull things over. Even at three years old, I was that way, you know, and... I'm not saying I'm more special than anybody else because I'm not, but I was born with the ability to be able to look at things long-term and, and it's a blessing in many ways and occurs in others. Um, But uh, I've always been able to look outside the box um, to see things not for just what they are, but what they can be or could be or could have been had they been done a different way. Um, And, I don't know how many jobs I've worked on where I've seen things and tried to bring them to the boss uh, in a way that uh, would make would make my life easier and my my co-workers life easier and also bring money and more money in for my boss and and um, and make make it easier so that we could do more work, if you know what I mean. And those ideas have always been shot down. And then one day it hit me. I have to make it look like it was his idea. You know, and after I started doing that, boy, things just started to work, work really good. So that was thinking outside the box. It was denying myself, which is really hard to do when you have a good idea. I remember one time um, I was working in a pharmacy and we, uh, we were having a problem with uh, not getting uh, stat orders out really quick, you know, orders that needed to go out uh, right away. And, uh, And I said, why don't you just put the orders in a, in a red bin, you know? red is you know kind of a universal color for urgency and um so why don't we do that and it was kind of dismissed and then about six months down the road that the boss came in and he said oh you know what i got this idea why don't we just put it in a red bin and i'm like okay you could think it's your idea because it's going to make life easier around here um it's going to make the customer happy and everything else and and uh and things went on but um I just, uh, I've had to swallow my pride a lot of times because being able to think ahead while other person, people didn't want to. Um, so anyway, uh, a lot of people that know that about me and they, uh, a lot of people uh, I have found in my work career especially, have come up to me and said what well, what do you think about this what What can we do? you know now when it's a coworker asking me she and I or he and I can't do squat about it, but at least we could talk about it and um and I've also found out that when you talk with a coworker and the boss is um just an earshot, a lot of times things get done too, so that's uh, another way to get things done if you're thinking about how to um how should i say this uh, manipulate your your employer to do something. That he should be able to see himself or herself and they just can't do it for some reason or they refuse to do it because it wasn't their idea. Pride gets in the way a lot of times. Um, looking outside the box usually gets someone labeled as a kook uh, by some and in religious circles labeled as a heretic or someone who just won't go along with the flow. My goodness, look what happened to Paul. You know, he uh, he's trying to. <laughs> preach to the, the Gentiles and first of all he tried to preach to the Jews and the Jews would not have it and uh, but I, you know I like the way that Paul worked and then what I was just talking about about how to kind of manipulate people um, I saw it in a story about Paul where he um, he tried to, to speak to his Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and basically they had him turned over to the Romans and the Romans uh, beat him and after they beat him he said is it lawful for for you to beat a Roman citizen? Uh, because you couldn't do that. Uh, if you were a Roman citizen, you had to go to court and everything else in order to be found guilty, in order to be flogged. Anybody that wasn't a Roman, you know, the Romans could just take him in and flog him and kill him, and they didn't really care. But uh, so then they found out that uh, Paul was a Roman citizen, and they, uh-oh, now we're, we're in some deep trouble right now. We don't. So what they what they did is they helped him to escape ultimately, and, and he fled Jerusalem and went out and preached to the Gentiles, who gladly received his message, and a lot of you can be really happy about that, uh, because uh, Paul was called to go out and do that. Uh, now, Yeshua used an example of uh, his followers being sheep, and uh, in his analogies, he off, often alludes to the fact that sheep aren't the smartest animals and need a shepherd to keep them in line and out of trouble. Um, he talked uh well, well I think I, I think I can get into that down below um, I could so equate with that analogy seeing that I've had to be I had to ask him numerous times to pull me out of a ditch we me you and everybody else inclusive that know him even though we know him and we know what what's good for us in, in many instances we try to figure that somehow we figure that we're the only ones that can maybe um, can maybe do it and get away with it, so to speak, you know, not to talk about sitting or anything else, but, you know, we think that, uh, yeah, that ditch is there. It's, it's pretty wide, but I do believe I can jump it. I remember one time, uh, funny story, you know, when you, when you're a young child, you do stupid things. And I remember, um, kicking my, I think it was my right leg really high up in the air And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I could kick that high up in the air. And so then that foot came down and I kicked my left foot way up in the air and it came back down. And I says, I'll bet you that I could jump up and kick both feet up in the air and come back down. Well, after I landed on my tukis and hurt my tailbone, then I realized that that didn't work. So there are some universal laws and there are some universal dictates out there that the Lord tells us not to do that we try to do anyway, thinking that we're going to be the first ones to pull it off. And ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time it doesn't work. Um, the difference between me and, and those. Um, those. Me and those like uh, the regular Genesis sheep, uh, I find that finds about the ditch is like I like to ask where, what, what, who, what, why, when, where, and how. Okay, so you know, um, so let's see, uh, like why the ditch is there, what purpose the ditch serves, how far I would stay away from the ditch so I didn't fall into it again. Uh, my batting average isn't the best, like I said, but my reasoning for asking questions is so that I know, but also so that I could advise the other sheep to avoid the ditch, explaining why, and hopefully they will listen. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, most of the time I get, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm like, okay, go find out for yourself. And I'll be one of the guys throwing a rope in to pull you out of the ditch. Um, Most sheep object to looking for the answers, thinking that it's near blasphemy to inquire um, Yahweh of such things. You know, well, you know, Lord said, don't go by that ditch. You know, yeah, okay, I agree. I'm not going to go by the ditch. But, you know, Lord, just tell me why. You know, tell me why not to, you know, without using me as an object. (laughs) Listen. Now, I always am reminded of this scripture in Hosea, and it's uh, Hosea 4, 6. Um, and he's talking, and he says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou has rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children." Oh my goodness, what a what a foreboding proclamation by the the Almighty, you know. But um, and a lot of people use that scripture. Oh, that's why God has. Cast away the Jews forever. No, just because you've forgotten. Oh, I mean, just listen to our radio shows, for goodness sakes. Me and Jim forget things all the time because we're in our 60s. And even Brian admitted that the other day on the radio show, you know. Um, You know, we're getting older and our brains aren't as fast as they used to be. But sure, yeah, we forget stuff, but then we remember. So, forgotten doesn't mean forsaken. Forsaken means, you know, I don't want nothing to do with you. Forsaken is what um, uh, some Orthodox Jews do to their their families or their family members when they come to know Yeshua as the Lord. Well, heck, even conservatives, conservative Jews and uh, and a-religious Jews do the same thing, even though the a-religious ones have no right to do it whatsoever because they've forsaken the, totally the Lord. At least the other ones are going through the motions. But, um, but, um so forsaken and forgotten are two different words. Now, the Hebrew word for destroyed is interesting. It's damah, and it's a primitive root, to be dumb or silent, hence to to uh, fail or perish, to destroy, to cease to be, or to cease, to be cut down or off, destroy, be brought back, be brought to silence, be done, undone utterly. Okay. And I didn't put the verb in here. I'm really, I have to fix that. Because a lot of times in, most of the time in Hebrew, if it's a verb, uh, if it's a noun, there's a verb that defines it even better. But maybe because this was defined so well, I didn't put it in there. I don't remember. But, um, and usually if it's a verb, there's a noun that defines the verb. So that's the neat thing about Hebrew. Um, and when you do a Hebrew study and you look in, like I use the blue letter Bible all the time. So when I look and it says now, usually if you look a little bit south and to the right, um, it says, you know, from a primitive verb, and it gives you a link and you click on that. And um, the the best way I can explain it is um, the flat earthers, how they say, they use that scripture that said, God sits above the circle of the earth, stating that a circle is flat um, and that therefore the earth is flat. Well, if you look at the, um, I, I, let me get this straight. I don't want to get it wrong. Well, one w- the, the noun defines the verb, and the verb defines the noun. And one word means yes, circle. But the defining word for that that word, which I believe is the verb, which is spelled and basically said the same way, um, means to circumnavigate, like to go around the globe. Okay. So yes, it is flat. He sits ab- ab- above the it's saying it's, he sits above the globe of the Earth, not the a flat circle or a disk or whatever they want to call the flat Earth. So um, for goodness sakes, when you do word studies and you're going to do them eventually, if you haven't done it already, look at all the meanings. OK, don't go with the one that you want to use for your your theory or your. Or, or whatever, you know, look at all of them and see which one's best fixed into the context of what you're trying to say or what you, what you think the Lord is trying to say actually in, in the scripture, not necessarily what you think you're, he's trying to say. Um, and he'll help you along if you ask him for help. Okay. Now the Hebrew word for lack of knowledge is da'ath, which is defined as discernment, understanding, or wisdom. Uh, in a sense, uh, the first part of the scripture is saying, Um, Because the scriptures, I didn't define the words in the whole scripture, just the first sentence, basically. Um, In a sense, the final part of the scripture is saying, my people perish because they lack discernment, understanding, and wisdom. So how does one attain discernment, understanding, and wisdom? Well, some would say that believers in uh, Yahweh uh, will be giving these things upon conversion. And in a sense, they are correct because now we have the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKodesh living inside of us and leading us to the path of righteousness. But we can attain more simply by asking questions and, and I didn't what I didn't put in here is that um, and I want to address too is that um, there is coming to faith in, in Yeshua and then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Okay. God will not leave his people defenseless or without um, a comforter, but it's the difference between, oh boy, come on, Lord, I need an analogy here, a really good one. Um, It's the difference between going to a fine restaurant and just having the appetizer or having the full meal. Yeah, you can go and have the appetizer. Maybe you can get filled up on the appetizer but the appetizer will not give you all the vitamins and minerals that you need. It might satiate you for a while, but not totally. However, if you went in and had the appetizer and then you had a salad or soup, um, and then you had the main course and then you had a fine dessert and a cup of coffee afterwards, you're getting the whole deal. So, uh, coming to faith, you're getting the appetizer, the baptism of the Holy spirit, you're getting the whole nine yards. and um, You can operate a lot better on a um, a fuller stomach with uh, lots of vitamins and minerals and nutrients than you can with just a couple of uh, most appetizers are basically kind of junky food anyway to kind of fill you up so you don't eat so much. Um, And there's a good analogy right there. Another sip of coffee. Without getting it all over myself. It's funny how your body changes when you get older. Um, not quite ready for a drool cup, but I'm getting there. Um, so anyway, um, so we're given us the Holy Spirit of conversion and, uh, we get kind of amped up or, or supercharged when we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's usually when we receive our rightful offices. Um, Without the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, it's really hard. And, and this is where I, I find it difficult to understand um, some denominations that don't believe that the gifts are here for today. I mean, how can how can you be a teacher if you don't have the, Holy, the, the amped up version of the Holy Spirit teaching you how to teach? How can you, um, well, basically, that's the only thing because uh, pastors and uh, evangelists, how can you be a good evangelist if if you don't have the Holy Spirit telling you what to say and, and the right words to say for the people that, or the audience that you have there? Um, now, granted, Billy Graham was a wonderful evangelist. And if, if you're going to say, well, he was a, ma- a 33rd degree Mason, well, prove it to me, first of all. Uh, second of all, if he was a 33rd degree Mason, then that 33rd degree Mason led more people to faith in Jesus Christ than you will ever lead to faith in Jesus Christ. So, uh, my, my advice is put up or shut up. Um, but you know, even if you didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, you can ask God questions and he does answer them. Um. Many in a traditional church rely on their pastors to reveal things to them. And this is a practical way, practical way to think. But relying solely on um, on a meeting with a pastor or a Sunday sermon, while, while revelatory, many times, does not replace our quiet times with Yahweh ask, asking Yeshua to reveal matters to us. David said, O oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Well, the will look up part means you know, he's praying and the will look up means I'm waiting for an answer. You know, I'm going to sit here in the morning and wait for an answer until you answer me. So a lot of people don't realize that that part of that scripture, but it's a two-way communication. You know, it's not like, Lord, I need this. I need that. Uh, give me a good day at work today. Uh, um, you know, uh, bless our family, bless my meal and everything else. Those are well, all necessary things to do are, are kind of selfish because you're just turning God into a genie, basically, and um, and not waiting for an answer. And He will answer you. Uh, he may not even answer you with a voice, but He'll answer you through a situation. And you'll be going through long through the day, and all of a sudden something will happen, and you'll go, "Wow, this is an answer to my prayer. This is neat. Thank you, Lord." Um, now, with our ditch analogy, a uh, sheep can simply ask, you know, why not go. Near the ditch, Lord. Uh, to which a reply would come: "You might fall in, right?" Um, after that interaction, the sheep uh, knows not to go to the ditch or, or other things that look like ditches. Okay. Uh, look at our uh, at our definition. Uh, the sheep understands that the um, ditches are dangerous. He has ability to, to discern what a ditch is. And he bears the wisdom to warn others to stay away from the ditch. Okay, that person is not going to perish because of lack of knowledge. Now you would think that that's a simple thing to do, but because people traditionally will not act out of following, will not act without following tradition, as in consulting a human authority figure first, sheep fall into ditches all the time. Uh, one of the missions of our, our Radio Ministry opposing the Matrix. And also the our internet ministry is to help people to jump start their discernment process uh, of course with the Holy Spirit okay we're not <laughs> we're not uh any kind of magic workers or anything else. we just help people to understand and um explain it and then uh let the Holy Spirit take over you know or or have the Holy Spirit explain it through us, and it's that way he's already taken over right. Uh, we know full well that sheep are never going to hear subjects like the dangers of UFOs, uh, dabbling in the occult, things like Ouija boards and such, and they're not going to hear sermons where it can be shown that Yahweh mentions things like space travel, time travel, quantum physics, and scripture. And that's exactly why we exist, to fill that gap. And uh, it's funny, we uh, we went the other day to, to drop off a package we were sending to our, our kids uh, in Israel uh, for them to use at homeschooling, they're our grandkids, and uh, having eight grandkids, we have to send a lot. And uh, it's, you know, you talk about lack of faith, and my wife will be the first one to tell you that I'm, I'm one of the biggest people that lacks faith that ever existed. Um, you know, we're we're not rich by any means. We're I would consider us uh, the lower end of uh, middle class. We're not upper middle class. We're we're basically right in the middle, uh, teetering on being a little less. And um, so we're not made of money, okay, by any means. Um, we're doing okay. You know, we, we have enough money for food, clothing, and shelter, um, and maybe a luxury or two. But uh, aside from that, you know, we're not uh, Diamond Jim Brady, and we're not uh, driving around in big expensive cars. Um, but the Lord blesses us as He sees fit, and we're able to to live a life where um, we can we can be generous to a degree with our kids and and stuff like that. But um, and others too. Uh, there's nothing I like more than going to like a McDonald's for breakfast and having a homeless person out there and saying, you know, have you eaten? No, I haven't. Well, come on, I'll buy you breakfast. You know that. I love doing that that's just one of my favorite things to do and uh I never give money because money usually a lot of times'll go to drugs or uh, or alcohol but if you're putting food inside of them then you're you're doing something good anyway um now as I was talking on the phone with Jim I shared something that I found hard to describe I had to explain to him without him thinking that I have some sort of had some some sort of premonition of, of my soon imminent death or I had and I had to enforce in him that I didn't have the slightest inkling of suicidal ideations. I wasn't thinking about taking myself out because when you listen to this, you'll, you'll see, you can see why I explained to Jim that having observed our four dogs, I saw the delight. I mean, the tails wagon. I swear my one dog, he, he smiles when I say this, that, and do you want to go for a ride? I can't say that too loud. He'll come running in here. Even at, 10 to 12. Um, you see the delight they get when you ask them if they want to go outside. Now, this time of year and it's summer. It's it's August here in, in Oregon. And it gets a little hot. Um, they relish going outside. <clears throat> where they roam the yard, you know, they're they're like sentries. They they go around the fence to make sure everything's okay. And sometimes they pick fights with the dogs next door or play with them. I can't tell which one they're doing. And they bark at people that are. Um, stopping at the store down the street and and many times I have to accompany them because there there are a lot of bald eagles around here Um, anybody who says that the bald eagles are still on the endangered list needs to move out where we live (laughs) they're all over the place Um, and uh, three of our dogs are kind of small they're terrier mixes and stuff and one's a Cheweeney which is a very interesting breed if you want an interesting life get a Cheweeney Um, so part of the time with them involves, um, letting the Eagles know that I'm out there and, and, um, this might sound crazy, but I talk to the Eagles. I don't shout or anything, but I say, yeah, you come down here and you're going to be sorry you came down here because you're not going to fly away. Um, I, I love my dogs and I'm going to protect them the most I can, just like I would protect my grandkids. Well, I would protect my grandkids more, but you know what I'm getting at. Now, I like letting the dogs out because for them it must be a sense of freedom from the drudgery of being in the house. A lot of the times we, we have our dogs in the house. We, we treat them like family members, not, not pampering them so much that, uh, you know, they're, they get better treatment than a human would. But, um, you know, they're, they're treated good. Let's just put it that way. Um, now when I, when I did bring up my dogs and, and, and their delight of going outside i did so uh because i yearned for for such a freedom as they have with that um now i've been on trips outside the confines of our national borders to places like canada mexico israel and and yes those were times of freedom i guess but uh because it was it was a time away from home but was it true freedom i you know i don't know it's, some people would say yes you know you got away and you know, you got away from the confines of your house and all your cares. Well, not really, because the cares are still here when you come back, right? The bills are still here. As a matter of fact, there might even be more bills when you get back. Um, but it's not true freedom, um, and it's still it's still me when I in in this aging Earth suit, which gets some sort of new acre painter experiences um, the law of entropy more and more every year. Now, the Apostle Paul equates um, being in this earth suit as uh, being in a prison of sorts, and he yearned to be free. Um, I have often uh, wondered if my yearning would be satisfied by international travel, and that was not the answer. I pondered traveling to the depths of the ocean, you know, to, to walk on the bottom of the sea. Would that That would be cool, but... It's not freedom or uh, traveling in space, but that's, you know, you're still in this universe. You're still in that earth suit, you know, and um, I'd still be in my body with all of its complications. And some of them might even become worse because of going to those places. So and uh, but when I was talking to Jim and I and I thought that maybe, you know, he's going to think that uh, I've totally gone off my rocker. Let me get this. finish this coffee off real quick. Okay, down the hatch, cup's empty. Okay. I was I was kind of delighted because um, he said that he and others have had the same experience and that they've ex- been expressing the same thing. Now, we're all waiting for our master to say, hey, you guys want to go outside? Like I asked the dogs, you know. And when I hear that, well, actually, it's going to be come up here. Um, you know, the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to hear it come up here. And um and that's gonna be the equivalent to do you hate you guys want to go outside. And what a day that's gonna be. Um What hell that song go when we all get, to heaven, we'll all get to heaven? What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory. And boy am I gonna shout. Uh, if it's possible to we'll get a horse voice up in heaven I'm gonna do it. Now I found out later that others like uh well, the other host, Eric, has been experiencing the same feeling. He's a lot younger than we are. Uh, so it seems to be an increasingly universal feeling amongst believers in Yeshua who crave the freedom of Yeshua and the life that we're going to get in our new body that we're having created for us um, to live within. Oh, isn't that going to be nice? No more arthritis. No more other things. and I'm not going to go into those things, so I'll spare you. Um as our conversation progressed, we began to talk about other dimensions, um, and that uh, ultimate places outside of the created universe, namely heaven. Uh, when I was younger, I, I could relate—I couldn't relate much to Apostle Paul's yearning to be absent from the body, is to be present with Yahweh. Um, I guess that my in in youth, our youth resists that notion. Seeing that the young want to live life to its utmost and experience all that life has to offer, which is fair. I was like that. You were like that. Um, everybody was when we were younger. And if you're young, you're like that, right? Um, at the same time, uh, both Jim and I agreed that this world in its present condition with all that's going on and everything and, um, and it's really a crappy world compared to when we were growing up, but it really doesn't leave much to be attractive anymore. Now, I'm sure that believers in Yeshua that have lived in oppression, under oppression, uh, under dictatorships, under um, oligarchies, and things like that for decades, have not had the Lord dangled before them of having reasons to want to remain here. Even Paul seemed to have this uh, kind of like a hey, go ahead and kill me, you'll do me a favor sort of mentality. Um, living as a believer in North America has uh, been almost a curse and very a very large stumbling block to any sort of serious walk with with Yeshua. Uh, now that things are starting to sour socially with the promise of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness seeming to vaporize into thin air right before our eyes, uh, it seems that uh, freedoms freedoms and liberty are... Hanging on by a very thin and fra- fragile thread. If it weren't for the fact that we have to try to preserve something for our children and grandchildren, uh, letting things progress into anarchy would not be opposed as much as it is right now. Uh, we owe it all—we <clears throat> owe it all to them, meaning the younger generations—to try to ensure a reasonably safe and sane future, or at the very best, to prepare them to live in the dark and perilous times which I think uh, we, sh- we should all be doing. Um, you know, if, if we could just get the kids off their video games and, and show them uh, what real life is, you know, um, I, I can remember being a kid, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have video games. I mean, if you wanted to play a game, you went to a, a, an arcade and played pinball, but still that was a lot different than what they're doing nowadays. Um, there weren't there weren't any video games there weren't um our idea of fun was going out into the street and playing dodgeball or kickball or or um you know riding your bike around and and things like that and that, that was fun it basically was nowadays kids would look at that like oh man what kind of stupid dweeb would do something like that but when you don't have anything else and you've never heard of computers, you've never heard of video games, it was fun. And I think if tomorrow if there was a um electromagnetic pulse and all the electronics died, I think a lot of kids would get into that kind of stuff again. Of course, today it might be uh, skateboarding and um you know, doing tricks on bicycles. Um and that's, you know, that would be something that would be okay, but um, there are elements to life that kids are missing out on, and they really need to be taught about that. <laughs> you know, life doesn't revolve around the televisions, computers, and cell phones. It really doesn't. And those things can go away real quick. Um, when I was a kid, they didn't let us use calculators. They were just starting to come out with calculators when I was ending, ending uh, grade school and going into middle school. And um, we had teachers tell us that they wouldn't let us use um, the um uh, the calculators and, you know, we said, well, why, why not? They're there. They're tools to use. You know, we said it in more kid like terms. Um, the teacher would explain, well, what if you're on a job someday or, you know, what if you're in college or something? And, and then all of a sudden uh, all the computers go down, not computers, but all the calculators stop working. You know, what are you going to do? You know, you got to know how to do this stuff in your head. Um it's for the same reason. Well, until recently, anyway, people used to save hard copies of all the things that they did, and I still do um, because I know that computers go down, and uh, I like to have the paper that I can hold in my hand and say, "Here, this is the contract that we signed," and, you know, or "or this is the uh, the agreement that we made," or "or this is the bill of sale for what I bought." You know, you can't argue that kind of stuff. You can't refute it. Um, Now, um, like I said, Yahweh had uh, showed us that uh, our reality was kind of like a chain link fence. Now, if you look at such a fence, and if you don't know that term, maybe you know cyclone fence. Some people call it that in different parts of the country. I think they call it that because it, it could survive a cyclone, basically, because there's it's got so many holes in it, the wind just blows through it and doesn't blow the fence over, whereas if you have a wooden fence or something, wind can blow it over and, and ruin its integrity quite easily. Um, now, if you look at one of those fences, you see that each segment is a square and that it's knotted together with squares on each side uh, vertically and horizontally. Uh, such fences are strong, can withstand a lot of abuse. <laughs> you can climb over them real easy, I know that. Um And uh, now they're strong as long as the fence is anchored correctly and it's stretched tight enough and has enough tension. Each link in that fence is an integral part of the fence and just uh, one cut in any one square weakens it considerably. Remember that the next time your brother or sister in your shoe is is hurting and you don't do anything about it. Um, In quantum physics, particles are separated, are separate. But if they interact closely, they become something called entangled. Now, it's theorized that if such entanglement does happen, that even if the two particles that were entangled are separated by the vastness of the universe, um, what one particle experiences, the other can sense or react to. Kind of reminds me of twins, doesn't it? Does it remind you of twins? Um, You know that they could be miles apart but they'll dress the same. They'll have the same haircut, haven't seen any, each other in years or decades, find out that they got into the same line of work, um, all part of the hair on the left, so to speak, or, you know, if they were women, they, they got the same hairdo um, and, and the whole nine yards. So it's um, just in the same way that twins are, are connected like that. And, um uh, uh married couples are connected too because you, when you're married, you, you form a, a bond, you form a, well, you take a vow of course. And, um, and, and you can, how do I put this? I can understand the desire not to get married because you see it as the government uh, having to dictate over you and stuff like that. But, um, I I see it as a very important thing because you're making a vow before God to to do something and and before men too, before your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, You're making a vow to take care of your spouse. And um, and then when when you and your spouse have relations, sexual relations, you form something called a a soul tie. And uh, believe me, it's it's weird how soul ties work. Um, my wife can tell just by the tone of my voice, even if I've had a terrible day and I try to make it sound like I've had a great day, she can tell I've had a terrible day. Um, it's almost like she lived the day with me or was with me while I lived the, you know, had the bad day. Um, it's a lot of people call it a woman's intuition, but basically it's a soul tie that, um, helps us to understand each other, even though we're separated by a long distance Um, You've heard of wives having, especially if a husband is involved in, like, being a fireman or a policeman or in the military, the woman one day will just get a bad feeling that something's wrong, and, you know, the next day, maybe um, a military guard comes to her house, or, or a police captain comes to the house, or the fire chief visits and says, hey, you know, something happened today, and and your husband's not doing well or, or God forbid, your husband has passed because he was hurt at work. Um, so it's <clears throat> there's something there that's that's invisible yet exists. OK. And. Um, what I tried to get across during the radio show um, and I didn't want to offend anybody, so I made it real quick. But um, if you're in the habit of sleeping around whether you're a man or a woman and you're married and you're a believer, especially, or even this applies to unbelievers too. When you have that since coitus or, or sexual union is the ceiling of a contract in a marriage. Okay. A ceiling that says that you're going to be devoted to this person. When you're out there carousing with other women or if you're single and you're sleeping with a lot of women, you're creating these, these little contracts or these soul ties with them. Basically you're, you're marrying them. Um, and, uh, so that's why I think in a lot of cases, um, you know, you could break up with a girl and after having done that and, um, And there's, there's a forgiveness there that doesn't come because you've, you've actually, what you've done is you've divorced her or or he, or she's divorced him, whatever the case may be. And that soul tie is still there. And until somebody prays for that tie to be broken by the Lord and, you know, and there's forgiveness, um, toward the other person, that tie is going to exist. And so, um, you know, you you have some instances where um, a man marries a woman and he's caroused around all of his life, or he's cheating on her while they're married, or vice versa, the wife cheating on the husband. Um, in, in essence, they're they're signing that marriage contract with other people, and it's it just uh, it doesn't work, you know. In the in the grand scheme, I hate to use this term because it makes me sound new age, but in the grand universal scheme of things, you're committing bigamy. Um, in in Christian circles, it's called adultery, um, and fornication. But um, you're you're creating unions with people that uh, you think that is will go away once you guys split up, but it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. And you can use every excuse you want to to try to t- tell me that I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong about that. And um, it's just going to cause more problems in your relationship. It's going to cause more bitterness, hatred. And, you know, and even if you were to divorce because of the bitterness and hatred, there's another soul tie you got to worry about, you know. Um, so, see, everybody looks at the surface rendering of everything. You know, everybody sees the top of the iceberg when it comes to to uh, sexual um, promiscuity. You know, oh, yeah, well, you know, I did the nasty with her five or six times, and it was just the casual things, and that was it. Well, yeah, maybe above the water, you know, you see this little peak of ice sticking up. But uh, below the water, there's a, a big chunk of ice that's going to sink your ship someday if you get too close to it. And, um, so it's not as easy as as you think it is. Um, for every action that <clears throat> any of us does, there's always some kind of reaction to it. And boy, is there a big reaction to that. So, you know, think long term before you do something like that. You're only going to set yourself up for more problems. And if you have slept around and, and, um, uh, pray that the Lord will break those soul ties. If you're, you know, be honest with him. Okay. You can't lie to God, but tell him that you made mistakes and that you want him to fix them and to please break the soul ties and, and, and pray for the other person that, you know, that they understand that too and that they will, um, and that you've forgiven them and that uh, you want the best for them and everything like that. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so um, let's see. Uh, we can say considerably in quantum physics, okay, we talked about the particles becoming entangled, and that's how we got into that whole conversation. Uh, when one particle feels, the other one can sense and react to. And to further the mystery, when they do interact over vast distances, according to the theory, they interact instantaneously, even though they are separated by vastness of space. And we're talking maybe hundreds of thousands or a million light years. But they can still instantaneously feel it. So there's, there's a spiritual component to this that scientists don't like to get at, but it exists because the spiritual component is the only way that you're going to um, be able to sense something over such a long vastness of time and space. Uh, Whereas if it was just light, it would take millions of years to get there, (laughs) you know. Um, So the spiritual component um, we, we tend to think of time um, in our in our present state of affairs and because um, we live in a linear based universe. <clears throat> but um, outside of, in the spiritual realm, there is really no time and um, and things happen instantaneously. Um, take God, for instance. Uh, he uses scriptures where he talks about. Uh, uh, well, even the fact when he, he told Moses to. Um, if the children of Israel asked him who sent him to say that I am sent me, well, that I am very interesting, um, phrase because it's an imperfected, uh, oh, I can't remember the other word. Um, it's got an imperfect sense to it, uh, meaning that it has many different, uh, characteristics to it. It's not just nailed down to one thing. So when God says, I am that I am, he's also saying, I am what I was. I am what I will be. I was what I, I was what I am. I was what I will be. You know, it's, it takes past, present and future into account all at the same time, because we're talking about a God that lives outside of time and space, time and space do not affect him. So he's everywhere at once at the beginning and the end. And he says that several times too in scripture. He uh, knows, knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So, um, <clears throat> so when we think about God and we think about, about his attributes and how he sees things, throw the analog line out the window because he doesn't use it. Okay. And that's why he can, one way he can um, call people, um, called before the foundation of the earth, picked before the foundation of the earth, because right at the foundation of the earth, he had already experienced, I can't say time, but he had experienced some kind of time before that, and also the end of time, as we know it, at the same time. So I know it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, and don't try to think about it too much, because you'll You'll shut your brain off for a little while. Trust me, I've done it. Um, Now, getting back to the fence, if if I were to hit hit the pole that supports the fence, let's say at the the left-hand side of the fence, if I'm looking at it, um, it'll affect the pole on the right-hand side of the fence, too, because the vibration or energy that's put into that hitting the fence travels along the fence until it gets to the end where it can't travel any farther. Aha, but you might think so, but maybe not. Now, if I pull on one of the squares at the beginning of the fence, it makes a noise at the last column of squares also. The fence is one entangled mass of squares. There's that word entangled again. That will all interact with each other. It usually gets interesting when you uh, think of that most fences have gates. Now, if I rattle the fence at the beginning of the gate, if I rattle the fence at the beginning, the gate will rattle, but the end of the fence will not react with the fervency that it did before because when you open up the gate, you're basically breaking the chain, so to speak. Um, the idea of the kingdom of God being like an intricate chain link fence is a fascinating one because each square supports the other from the beginning of the fence to the end. Um, whether one line of the fence can affect um, another line of the fence that it's not connected to it is something that we can speculate on, but perhaps we we could surmise that uh, parallel universes or parallel realities. See, I, I use the term, two different terms, are like a chain link fences uh, that run parallel to each other at very close proximity. And I'm going to take that out of there because I don't like the term parallel universes. Um, parallel realities is a better idea. Um well, let's just say that these fences run parallel. And they're two two inches from each other, uh, the same length and the same tension. Okay. If you rattled fence number one, the vibration from that fence would be felt in all the fences built next to each one that's built next to each other. It might be a minute feeling or rattling, but it still will. Now, if you open the gate of fence one and touch fence two, It would increase the vibration all the more. Perhaps that is the cause of what people call the Mandela effect. Two parallel fences touching each other at one time and trading vibrations, maybe through a gate being opened and that first fence touching the second one. And we all know what happens when gates are open. Things can come in that we don't want in, right? Uh, In addition, there is something um, in music called resonance. Um, It's well known that if you take tuning forks that are tuned to the same frequency, let's just say 25 Hertz. Okay, and you tap the first one and you have them all next to each other. The others will pick up the vibration and start to resonate from the first one. Perhaps parallel universes work the same way. Um, If they're all tuned to the same frequency and at the same time, then the the sound waves or timelines that are shared can share information. Perhaps they can even exchange information. Um, another interesting fact <clears throat> is that if you had five or six, and you picked the number, of tuning forks, and they're all the same frequency, and you tapped one and the others picked up the vibration at the resonance, if you silenced, let's say, the center fork, uh, the forks on both sides would still resonate, And it is possible that the one that you stopped would start to resonate again if it were possible for the vibrations of the forks to continue unabated by time. About a week ago, um, my wife and I acquired a table that will someday, (laughs) hopefully tomorrow, uh, be my computer desk. Until we can rid ourselves of this very large and burdensome desk in our office, that table is going to sit in our kitchen. Okay. It's too nice but outside. And it's really too big for the kitchen. Now, we have a small kitchen, and getting around the table is a real chore sometimes. Now, if I want to walk from the living room to the back door, I have to walk through the kitchen. If I want to use this, I want to use this to show how our universe or reality, as you say our realities, um, personally can split into more than one reality in very simplistic terms. Now, some of you might be familiar with the Scottish song, Loch Lomond. I am because my uh, stepfather was born in Scotland, and I'm familiar with it because he knew it. And I like the song, too. I just like the, the way it sounds. Uh The chorus of the song says, um and I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to lose my audience. um Oh, you take the high road, and I'll take the low road, and I'll be in Scotland before ye. For me and my true love will never meet again on the bonnie, bonnie banks of Loch Lomond. Bonnie means beautiful, by the way, in, in Scottish. Um, there's something, um, there is something in quantum physics called the string theory. Loosely, that theory says that there can be different realities all in line, like strings of a rope that are parallel to each other and head in the same direction. Theoretically, sometimes these strings touch each other, and information is transferred from one string to another, or they become entangled, let's say. <clears throat> the, long, the short course that I cited, Loch uh, uh, Lomond, is a perfect example of the string theory. There are two individuals who are walking together and you decide to take different routes to Scotland, one near the shore of the lake and the other in the hills above the lake. Now, you know that because he's got to climb the hill and stuff like that. He's going to take a little longer than the other guy that's down by the lake. Uh, theoretically, anyway, uh, both individuals started out at the same spot, but they separated, but will later join again in Scotland, one later than the other. <clears throat> so as I entered the kitchen to walk from the living room um, to the back door, I have to choose to walk either on the right side or the left side of the table. Either side will get me to the back door, but the left side will place me close to what could be a very hot stove where I could get burned if I got too close. And then if I go to the right, it could cause me to kick the the dog's water bowl, which makes a heck of a mess. And like I said, that floor is getting farther away every year. So bending down to clean that up is not an easy chore anymore. Um, Now, I prefer neither burden. So I walk very carefully. You know, I make sure I kind of walk sideways when I walk by the stove and the same when I walk by the dog bowl. There is one factor that I haven't mentioned yet though, and that is my wife is probably in the kitchen now too. Now she could be walking through or she could be cooking on the stove or she could be filling the dog's water dish, right? There's a variety of different things she could be doing in there. Uh, Her being on one side would cause me to walk on the other side. While passing her, I could tell her why I'm going out into the backyard or that I'm going to the store next door. Uh, the two, let me see, me highlight this so I don't get lost. <clears throat> the two strings are paths that I could uh, take and, and she and I are particles that uh, become entangled, whether it is by touch or by sharing information. Um, if I go to the store, she knows that I have my cell phone, so if she decides that she needs something from the store, she can text me or call me to share more information, which I would receive instantaneously. See how this is going? Even though we are dozens of feet apart from each other. In one analogy, I have said that um, I had two strings that I could follow, uh, that each string has its hazards, And that I might become entangled with um, my my other particle. Yeah, that wouldn't work too good if I woke up this morning and said, good morning, particle. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Um, The two realities started at the table, then separated, then joined again at the other side of the table. The direction and cause were the same, but the paths were different for a very short period of time, each with obstacles in the way and uh, Other particles that I could share information with and then immediately and then later on also. And the thing is that every moment of every day, we can create different realities that could have different effects. Now, have you ever been late for an event and on the way you pass an accident that happened probably about the same time you would have been there had you been on time? Maybe you were early for a job interview and your punctuality impressed your boss so much that he hired you and canceled all other interviews. Had it happen, actually. The ultimate example being that you were given the opportunity to accept Yahweh's free gift of salvation. If you accept it, you might have difficult life because you would be counterculture to most of the world, but you would experience eternal bliss with the creator of the universe and the creator of quantum physics also. Turning down the offer would still guarantee you eternal existence, but an ultimate second death resulting in an infinity without Yahweh's love, grace, and fellowship, and possibly swimming in a lake of fire. Um, Yeshua gave an example of two strings. He labeled one, and he called it a straight and narrow road, a string that few chose to get onto, but it led to heaven and great rewards. <clears throat> he, led the other, he labeled the other string as a wide road, That leads to destruction that many people decide to take. So you see, even Yeshua talks about quantum physics, right? Think about all the particles you'd meet on that long road. I mean, that um, wide road and the very few particles that you would meet on the short road. And isn't it interesting how when you're a Christian, you tend to think alike. you You tend to do things alike and you tend to have more in common than when you're not a believer and you run into other people. And you definitely don't have a lot of common with when you're a believer with people that are on that that wide and narrow road. You you're around them all the time, but um, you don't have much of a relationship or connection with them. And if you do have a really good relationship with them, well, if it's family, then it's something you can't help. But if you're if you're um, getting off of the narrow road from time to time to get on the wide road and have fun with your friends, then you might want to reconsider. Or you might even want to question whether your your walk on this on the uh, narrow path was legitimate, and try to rectify that if you can. Um, what science fails to recognize, or perhaps they do recognize this with evil intents in mind, is that somewhere next to that nice chain link fence is an old fence made out of barbed wire, and it's meant to keep out wild beasts and dangerous animals. It's meant to keep them away from our chain linked reality. They are looking for a door to bring that reality, bring the reality that lies beyond the fence through our fence so that those things can intermingle with our reality and destroy what Yahweh has intended us to to be perfect or as near perfect as it can be in a fallen and corrupt universe. Um, We see many times in scripture where um, those gates have been opened and, um, uh well, we could think of all the times that uh, the enemy tried to destroy a person that was uh, in direct line uh, with Messiah uh, as an ancestor of Messiah, Yeshua, or um, times that he's tried to wipe out the whole Jewish race to keep the salvation of mankind from happening. Um, okay, so anyway. Now, these scientists and, and others are using devices like CERN in an effort to find holes between defenses so that the realities can intermix to cause chaos and to thwart, thwart the plans of defense, that the fence maker has devised to bring about salvation for the lost and fallen world. Uh, the problem is that they are succeeding through the manipulation of space-time to create portals and, who knows, maybe even navigate through time and attempt to change what we perceive to be real. Uh, Time dilation, time manipulation, and time travel I do earnestly believe will be used in the last days to spread lies and deceit. Hint, the Mandela effect. There's one right there. Have you ever seen paintings from the Middle Ages that show what appear to be UFOs in the sky above battle scenes or religious events? Well, I will tell you one thing. If I possessed, now if I was evil, let's put it that way, And I possess some sort of time travel device and say it looks like a disc or an obloid or something like that. And I could set it up to make it seem like UFOs are responsible for the visitation of Messiah Yeshua or Yahweh visiting Moses or Miriam holding and suckling Yeshua. And I was specifically opposed to religion and wanted to destroy it or change it to a new age religion, I would certainly go back in time and somehow influence the painters to paint something that wasn't there. Or I would appear at the scene during the event to make it look like a UFO event occurred at the time. Right. I mean, when it all comes down to brass tacks, that's probably what any of us would do if we were trying to usurp the authority of Yahweh. Um, I truly believe that time travel has been a reality since the Nazis discovered it back in the 1940s. It was discovered then. It's been perfected since then as much as it has been able to be perfected in this time. Um, And and time travel technology was captured by the Western allies at the end of the war. Not so sure the Russians got it, but I know that we did. Now, you place that technology in the hands of the Illuminati, and it spells out a recipe for disaster and deceit that, if they were unchecked, could fool untold millions of people, convincing them of an extraterrestrial reality. And that may just happen soon, because as Brian informed us on the radio show last week, or last Monday, um, the government is supposed to come out with some kind of information very soon to prove that UFOs are real. And uh, they're supposed to make a very important announcement, according to Brian. So um, we'll have to just wait and see. But always keep in the back of your head, please, please, please do this, that there are no aliens, that they are fallen angels, and that their mission is to usurp the authority of Jesus or Yeshua and to bring about the end times. And don't let them fool you. <clears throat> Excuse me. In addition, since fallen angels have been cast on earth and have had free travel passes allowing them to trespass into the first and second heaven, what would keep them from manifesting during times of great biblical events like mentioned above? Uh, since fallen angels can manifest like men and they seem to be able to transcend time to some degree, what would keep them from observing a modern astronaut, then traveling back in time to appear to the ancient like a modern astronaut? Have you ever see... Watched- I had to stop watching it. Um, ancient astronauts, or um, yeah, I think it's called ancient astronauts. It's on Travel Channel a lot, I think, and um, uh, they try to promote the theory uh, by showing pictures of petroglyphs and petroglyphs, excuse me, and um, paintings, like I mentioned above, that uh, UFOs existed and have existed and um, as a real phenomena in our um, all throughout our history. Um, and what better way to do it than to to go back and try to um, try to manifest as a the, the modern astronaut back in those times. I mean, it's to me, it's quite easy. If, if you've got the tool to do it, then they can do it real easy. Then you have some bumbling fool. And I'd like to call him that because that's what he is. And one of the days he's going to wake up and he's going to realize what a bumbling fool he is, but it's going to be too late. Um, Eric Eric Von Daniken, um, he's always putting two two together and getting five. And then he produces pictures that prove that his mathematics are correct. Sorry, um, Eric, but uh, you're wrong. <laughs> and um, there are no ancient astronauts. Never have been just fallen angels that have posed as ancient astronauts. And in all of his wisdom, like scripture says, um, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So anyway, they're fulfilling scripture. Eric von Daniken has been very good at fulfilling scripture. So I should thank him for that. I have never ceased to be amazed at how people would bend over backwards to believe any theory, I mean any theory, that will correlate with their preconceived notions no matter how foolish it makes them appear. In my estimation, there is very little difference between believing the lie of the ancient astronauts today than drinking the Kool-Aid offered to the followers of Jim Jones in Jonestown a few decades ago. The people of Jonestown that were there, I should say, that followed Jim Jones down there, uh, wanted to believe that Jim Jones was the Messiah so badly that they were willing to follow him straight to hell by committing suicide in the jungles of South America. A few of them did escape and told about the horrors that happened there. Um, atheists and immoral people want to rid themselves and society of, of Yahweh so badly that they will take any advantage any evidence given by anyone that is, the, that is the least bit articulate to accomplish their goals. Now, before you hammer down on me about my criticism of atheists and agnostics, let me categorize or categorically state that there are Christians also that are guiltier than the a people. Atheists and agnostics, like everyone else on earth, are searching for meaning of life, and some search for the meaning of the afterlife. Christians and Jews that twist scripture to fit their perverted ideas or preconceived notions have no excuse. I say that because they not only have the scriptures, but they have the tools to study scripture by Hebrew and Greek text and the work of expositors um, who have done the studying for them for nearly two millennia, 2,000 years. I can remember teaching a course um, a few years ago. In pharmacy technician school, I actually ran a program down in Springfield for a little while. Um, and what I had to do, I was the teacher for every class that they had and uh, became quite adept at it. One of my favorite subjects was studying uh, and teaching pharmacy mathematics. Now, such a mathematics include the knowledge of fractions, decimals, basic math skills, and a tiny bit of algebra, a very little bit of algebra. And, um, most of us who grew up in the f- 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, are quite familiar with fractions and decimals and base- basic math skills, but that's kind of changed over the last 30 or 40 years. Um, now each term when I would have to teach mathematics, I would mention fractions and I can always count on hearing a collective sigh from the students. You'd think that I was going to teach them, um, some, some religious content or something, that's, that's the way they acted. And I was amazed at how rudimentary I would have to teach in order to get the adults, and these are adults, to understand fractions and such. I was there, however, to give the students the ability to calculate such problems, and at the end, and through the formation of many a gray hair, <clears throat> I succeeded in getting them to understand for the most part. I found out the women understood if I explained things, um, in kitchen terms, cooking terms, sewing terms, and stuff like that. And the men would uh, understand if I spoke in sports metaphors or, or things about automobiles or, or mechanics or something like that. Um, and that's important no matter what you're teaching. You gotta, you gotta teach your audience, you know? Um, what I'm trying to say here is that, uh, they needed to learn to pass the course. I was their source of learning and we had to have a mutual understanding of each other, my skills and their needs in order to accomplish our goals. Bible study is no different for a true believer in Yeshua because aside from the study aids available, the student is given the Ruach HaKodesh, which is Hebrew for the Holy Spirit, to explain Yahweh's purpose and intent. People who delve into the flat earth studies, like I mentioned earlier, and other rubbish usually cleave to teachers who teach them what they want to hear and or they hear false teachers present evidence that um, is not truly evident and cannot be proved. See, evidence isn't always evident. (laughs) Okay. I know that sounds kind of weird, but think about it for a little while. It'll come into focus if you don't get it already. Some guy that lived in Germany back in the 1940s and basically Ran Germany and ruined Europe, uh, quote, named Adolf Hitler, quote, made a quote, great liars are also great magicians. I'll let you sit on that one for a while. Um, so, what is the remedy to knowing what is a lie and knowing what's been brought into this reality from another reality? How do we know that the appearance of you oppose in the paintings that, in a painting that's 500 year old, is really a con job? How do we know that fairy tales uh, given to us by Eric von Daniken are really fabricated nonsense? The answer is that on our own merit, we cannot truly prove these things out to be lies. Yes, we can research and we can provide some compelling truths to disprove that rubbish. But how do we get people to see that what we have found and what the, excuse me, how can we get people to see what we have found and the truth that we present. We cannot do it on our own accord. Okay, it's impossible. Scripture is quite clear that there are people who will not participate in what Yahweh offers the truth, and they are called perditious people. They're people of perdition. Yeshua was quite clear that some people were not called by Yahweh to come to Mashiach or Christ, but Yahweh has chosen those whom he will save couple of scriptures. First one from John 6 44. And I like to use the King James version. Uh, No one can come to me except the father which has sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus talking not me not Paul Jesus Yeshua that the father calls the people that are going to be saved and they're the ones that are led to Jesus. Okay. You can argue all you want but. Have that argument with God and not me, because he's the one that said it. And another scripture, um, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And here's the clincher, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us, look up that word if you want it, be blown away, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded us, and with all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of fullness of times he might gather uh, gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and with things which are on earth, even in him, Another important thing in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should become that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And that's in Ephesians that was written by Paul. So you get it from. Jesus' own mouth from Paul's writing. And again, Jesus or Yeshua says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go out and bring forth fruit and that your, first, and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever ye shall ask of my Father's name, he will give it to you. See, so he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Now, some people are going to say, yeah, but he was talking to the disciples. But do you realize that when the Great Commission was given to the disciples, too, but we're to carry it out. All the things that he spoke to the crowds and the people that listened, the parables that he spoke, he spoke to us, too. Not just them. His message didn't stop when he died on the cross or when he rose from the grave. It continued. It's for all believers, not just those back then. And the same thing is with the gifts. Argue with me if you want, but read your Bible and you'll see. Don't believe it because some pastor tells you or you learned it at some cemetery, I mean seminary, sorry. Um, but believe it because it's in scripture. Let the Holy Spirit discern, uh, um, translate it for you. Let him be the one that explains it to you. Not some college professor who has biases and preconceived notions. Okay. Knowing that you have been chosen, it makes perfect sense that uh, uh, what, that one that has been chosen will be watching over and cared for by a person who did the choosing. That is you and my brothers and sisters, we have been chosen. We have been giving other analogies by Yahweh about <clears throat> the fate of the chosen <clears throat> and those not chosen. Yeshua taught that the tares grow up with the wheat until the time of the harvest upon which time the wheat is collected into the barn and the tares are separated and burned. Interesting. So there's people that we go to church with maybe that don't belong to the Lord, yet they're growing up with us and there's a great separation going on. As a matter of fact, it's been going on for about 20, 25 years now. Um, He talked about the wheat being accepted and the chaff or the remnants of the harvest process being blown away by the wind from the threshing floor. He talked about the goats being separated from the sheep, fold and scattered. There's a definite division between good seed and bad seed in this world, and no matter how you feel, this is a truism presented in Scripture by Yeshua himself. There are two seeds. Or are there two seeds? I'm asking a question here. The seed of a woman, the seed of a serpent. Scripture tends to point to that fact. All we can be assured of is the fact that Yahweh will tend to his flock with a ferocity like none, none other, and he will show no mercy to those who try to harm his sheep. If the Mandela effect is true and mankind is being allowed to import segments from other dimensions to our own, other realities to our own seems to and if it seems to have credence um, but he is faithful and true to reveal the counterfeit for for the genuine and to the genuine in other words he'll discern that for us and tell us what's real and what's not real the task that we as believers in Yeshua have is to remain faithful in Yahweh Yeshua and to remain in his scriptures so that we can know it and it meaning the scriptures and him in a personal manner. Yeshua said that the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. We know his voice by being a constant communication with him, a constant conversation through fervent prayer with our shepherd. Uh, We need to have an intimacy with Yeshua like we've never had with anyone else. That's how... We will become aware of and will overcome any deception that the enemy will try to bring our, our way, whether it's through splicing realities, through CERN, uninvited intrusions, via by by a Project Bluebeam or Harp, or other machinations that the world uses as weapons against our minds. Another scripture. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is starting to crackle here. Scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord, today the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything be prayer by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. It's what you need to remember And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. What is that telling you? It's telling me that if we're going to get anxious about reading things posted by Q, not that that's wrong, I, I like reading things by Q. If we're going to be anxious and upset about listening to the news, about what we see on TV, we'll turn the damn TV off, okay? Um, take times out when when looking at Q things, when looking at the truth, and 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 researching. Take time out. Go to the park with your kids or grandkids, for goodness sakes, just get away. do things that that you like to do because worrying about anything is not going to get anything done, and having anxiety or being anxious is not not uh, good for you It's not good for your health or the health of people around you either. Now, having done a Greek study of these verses reveals something very important, especially where the word is cons- where one word is concerned. In verse 6, Paul tells us to be careful for nothing. The word for careful in Greek actually means anxious. Anxious can mean uh, looking expectantly for, or it can mean having anxiety over. I believe that the verse is telling us not to have anxiety over what we need or what is coming upon society, upon the earth, or upon the church. Paul's remedy is that the community, is that communion that I wrote about earlier by employing our intimate times with Yeshua to offer prayer, praying for others, which is called supplication, and being thankful that Yahweh will accomplish everything according to his will. Uh, Often when I pray, I find myself praying for a person or situation by just praying that Yahweh's will or his purpose will be done in that person's situation or life. I often get criticized for doing this because so many people believe that indirect and specific prayer, and, and I don't don't discount that, but I'll, I'll explain here. They see praying for God's will in a situation as a cop-out on a lack of faith. My question, however, is, isn't praying for Yahweh's will to be accomplished a very direct prayer? I mean, Yahweh knows what his will is, and in that person's life, or in a situation where people are involved, I think that... Um, it could be uh, considered a bombastic act to name a claim, name and claim a prayer without knowing what Yahweh's purpose is. And didn't Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done as are on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. Interesting. I have seen it done many times where a person will pray for somebody's healing and proclaim that a healing will occur only to have that person that is the focus of the prayer getting sicker and or dying. One could argue that the case that the person's death was the ultimate healing, and uh, if they were a true believer, they are now with Yahweh, Uh, and some instances could be considered true. However, when the prayer was offered, I ventured to say that a healing of the life-threatening conditions so that that, um, the person could be restored to health is to this corporeal world, uh, using the Healing by death quotient uh, would then be a cop-out, right? Um, you know, well, I did pray for him and he died, so he is ultimately healed. Well, that's not what you prayed for in the beginning. You prayed, prayed that they would be restored, healed and restored to their, their condition before they got sick. Okay. I have seen also many times when people are berated because they will not pray for leaders of community states or nations. With the world in the condition that it's in today, praying for the well-being of abominable and pernicious people is fruitless. Yes, praying for salvation is a commandment and should be encouraged, but praying for the success of the endeavors of such people is akin to a praying for a murderer to murder you or a robber to rob you. Praying that Yahweh's will is done in a leader's life is praying that you want Yahweh to ultimately accomplish his purpose for that leader. <clears throat> that might be leading him to salvation, if that's what is meant to be. But it also might be the prayer that the prayer is answered by the leader becoming worse, so much so that their deeds and motives are revealed and the leader is proven perditious and unredeemable. And in some cases, that Yahweh brings an end to such a person's reign or even his life, his or her life. In Ephesians chapter 6, we are encouraged to pray without ceasing. Just now, um, two sheriff's SUVs passed our house at a very high rate of speed, heading in the direction of Sweet Home, Oregon, which is down the road. Now, think about the chain link prayer that happens. First, I pray for the officers' safety as they drive. And also when they get to where they're going, I pray that other drivers will pull over and let them pass. I pray to, I start to pray for whatever situation might be occurring. If it's a car wreck, please preserve the lives of those involved. If it's a domestic dispute, keep everyone safe. The list can go on and on and I can pray for specific, I can pray specific prayers because I have no idea Whatsoever what is happening, (laughs) even when I got on Facebook and asked in the community what's going on, nobody knew. However, if I pray that Yahweh's will is done and whatever is going on, then everything is covered. Yahweh knows that what the sheriff's deputies are heading towards and what they will encounter. He knows the outcome. If angels are needed, my prayer covers them being sent because Yahweh would have done that already. However, and it's a big however, if an alert flash appears on my PulsePoint phone application, which everybody should have by the way, if you got an Apple or a or a Android, look for in the your app store, look for PulsePoint and then put in your community and you'll you'll know a lot, trust me. <clears throat> and a lot of information that you can use to pray. Um Because when you know what to pray for, it's a lot easier to pray. Um, I know a little more of what to pray for when I use that application. I can focus on safety, healing, and whatever form, and know that Yahweh is in control. If the Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit, uh, reveals specific need, I will pray for that immediately. This is the kind of God that we serve. He knows our needs, our wants, our desires, and the help that we will need and he has known those things from before the foundation of all that exists and because he envelops time he knows the outcome too he's known it for quite some time so why be anxious or have anxiety about anything yes anxiousness is a human condition and we all suffer from it but a simple prayer asking Yahweh to give us increased faith in him will help to bring comfort and peace and rest in any situation or condition. Uh, We have the weapons to fight anything that enemies of Yahweh can throw at us, um, like they throw at us using CERN, blue beam, harp, and any other satanic device. And those protective measures are faith and prayer. Against such measures, the enemy will never prosper, never, ever, ever prosper. Well, that was my little article that I wrote, and I will upload it as soon as I make some of the changes that we saw when I was reading it. Oh, man, an hour and 44 minutes already? Oh, my goodness. Well, let me see if I can read a couple more articles. Uh, They're shorter than that, of course. Okay. The first one comes from a British paper called The Independent. And let's see, it was posted Thursday, the 4th of July, 2019. Author Harry Cockburn. And it's received 56 comments. Okay. Why that came up, I've got no idea. So, close. Okay. I don't like some of these websites where these windows just pop up out of nowhere. It's an invasion of our privacy. But anyway, the article says, "Could 2019 be the year humans open up the first portal to a shadow of dimension, which mirrors our own world?" Boy, with COVID, man, it's that's that's a loaded question right there. <laughs> that that's a whole radio show. Um, scientists at Oak Ridge National Laboratory in eastern Tennessee hope so and have completed uh, building equipment that. They are to test this summer, which will allow us the first glimpse of a parallel universe, which could be identical in many ways to our own. I wish they'd use parallel reality, uh, which with mirror particles, mir- mirrored planets and possibly even mirror life. Uh, that is according to Leo Brossard, the physicist behind the project, who described um, the attempt to reveal the hidden shadow world as pretty wacky in an interview with NBC last week. The discovery of a concealed mirror world may sound like science fiction from the Stranger Things series uh but it has been repeatedly suggested by physicists as temp- as a tempting means to ex- of explaining anomalous results however as yet hard evidence such as uh realm such as a realm exists uh has uh, refused to manifest itself one set of anomalous results and the ones which inspired the research date back to the 1990s when particle physicists were measuring the time it took for neutron particles to break down into protons once they were removed from the atom's nucleus. Two separate experiments saw the neutrons broke down at differing rates instead of decaying becoming protons at exactly the same rate as was expected. In one The free neutrons were captured by magnetic fields and herded into laboratory bottle traps, and in the other, they were detected by subsequent appearances of proton particles from a nuclear reactor stream. Those particles fired out in a stream from the nuclear reactor lived on the average of 14 minutes and 48 seconds, nine seconds longer than those from the bottle traps. It may sound like a small difference, but it has troubled scientists. But let's see, but the existence of a mirror world offers a credible explanation that there are two separate neutron lifetimes, and it could be that uh, around 1% of neutrons uh, could be crossing a divide between our reality and the mirror world before crossing back and then emitting a detectable proton. The new experiment will fire a beam of neutrons at an impenetrable wall. On the other side of the wall, a neutron detector will be set up, which would normally be expected to detect nothing. But if the detector does register the presence of neutrons, the theory is that they may have gone through the wall by oscillating into the mirror world, becoming mirror neutrons and reappearing in this universe, and more specifically in the lab in Tennessee. Uh, only the ones that can oscillate and then come back to our universe can be detected ms ms brosard uh told the new science uh new scientist in june That's a magazine i guess furthermore the team <clears throat> will set up a magnetic fields on either side of the wall which they can alter in length it's hoped uh that certain strengths may assist the oscillation of the particles Despite the tidy theory, the team is playing down the chances of revealing reality's shadowy twin. I fully expect to measure zero, Miss Broussard said in the initial test. But if they do detect neutrons on the far side of the wall, it could have found profound implications. If uh, you discover something new like that, the game totally changes, Miss Broussard told uh, NBC. NBC. The existence of a mirror world could also explain our universe's lack of the isotope lithium-7, which physicists believe doesn't match the qualities that the Big Bang would have have created. Um, The detection of high-energy cosmic rays, which come from beyond our galaxy, could also be explained by the existence of a mirror world. They are too powerful to have traveled only through the observed universe, but if they had oscillated into the mirror realm and then back out again. It could explain why that is the case. Anyway, that ends that article. <clears throat> so the theory is that these other realities do exist and that they're trying to find them. Okay. One thing that I <clears throat> wanted to touch upon, this is going to sound crazy, I know it is, but... Um <clears throat> You know, we, we see phenomena like uh, twins and triplets and and things like that, and which is really unusual because women usually drop just one egg a month. Um, one could ask the question, and I'm not saying I'm asking it, but it could be asked. Um, are the if there's let's say there're triplets, are the two extra eggs um, eggs from a, another reality? from another woman's or another two woman's uh, wombs that somehow crossed over into this woman's womb that has the triplets uh, growing in her uterus, so, or in her womb, or the three eggs in her uterus. Um, also, could it explain deja vu? I mean, if there's a mirror world, and, you know, in a mirror, everything that you do is, is shown back at you, at the exact same time. So when you have déjà vu, is it maybe something that's happening to a you in a, another reality? Hmm, interesting. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but there was a series on called *Man in the High Castle*. Uh, it's a very good series. I think it was on uh, Amazon. It might have been on Netflix. I can't remember. But the theory uh, of it was that uh, the uh, <clears throat> we the United States and the Allies had lost World War II, that the uh, Germans exploded a nuclear bomb. They had a, ch- a time enough to do that, develop it, in Washington, and took over the East Coast. The Japanese took over the West Coast, and in the center was kind of like a nowhere, no man's world where both sides kind of went against each other in all three sides actually, because there was a resistance group. But anyway, um, during that series, there were times when some of the characters actually flashed into what would be our reality where we won the war and, um, which kind of perplexed them. And, uh, it was a very good series. I would, I would recommend it if you wanted to watch it. Um, if, if you're into that kind of thing and, uh, but, um, the question, uh, and I think I answered it earlier, with with other universes, would be um, the question of Jesus dying on the cross. He would have to do that in multiple universes, and I don't see that happening. However, if there are alternate realities that are the same as ours, um, let's look at the Mandela effect. One of the arguments is that there's a book that used to be called The Berenstain Bears, that is now called the Berenstain Bears. And millions of people remember it being called Berenstain. However, now it's called Berenstain. Um, So either it's a humongous uh, change that's being done by the Illuminati or whatever group um, to make us think that uh, things are changing or they actually have been imported from other universes. Not universes, I did it again other realities now in another reality that's kind of a mirror of ours if there are one or two or three of those then sin would have entered the world at the same time the need for sin would still to be abolished or washed away would still be there or atoned for probably is a better word um the need for yeshua to come and die on a cross would still be would still be there and um uh, the development of Christianity and everything would still have occurred. Um albeit maybe under different names. Um maybe that's why uh there's such an argument in the Messianic community today about how to say the name Yeshua. People, normal people just say Yeshua. Some say, No, no, it's gotta be Yahshua or you're not saying it right. Or um and then you have those that, you know, go into the whole Jesus thing about, you know, it's incorporating the name of Zeus in it and stuff like that, which is hogwash. But um, <clears throat> anyway, um, so uh, it, in an alternate reality, things could still be the same or a mirror world. They were calling a mirror universes, but they could be mirror realities. Um, things would still be the same. And so would many outcomes with maybe a few minor differences. And that would explain the Mandela effect also Um because the realities would have touched uh, the two strings in the string theory would have touched and it, it exchanged information. If there is such a world, then there might be a, in that other um, reality, they might be going, Hey, it used to be called the Berenstain bears. It's now it's called the Berenstein bears. What's going on? So there, if, if it exists, they're wondering what happened. Um, to the Stain stain Bears and why it's Berenstain now. Um, In their reality, maybe Nelson Mandela did die in prison. Maybe Joe Biden was in prison with him in that reality. Um, So there are a lot of things to think about when it comes to this, you know. Um, I don't discount that there could be um, parallel realities, but when it comes to parallel universes, no, I'm sorry. Um, that leaves it open for many more um differences many more uh many more alternates that uh, would just throw too many wrenches into the works and I just can't accept that um, Jesus died and came and died once and for all. He does talk about another flock that he needs to to bring into the fold and I find that interesting now. Uh, traditionally, and I still do believe that it means that he was talking about the Gentiles, but there are a lot of dual uh, meanings or multifaceted meanings in scripture. So he could have been talking about the Gentiles and he could have been talking about Jews and Gentiles from another reality where they had, or when he had died, he had died in that reality too, at the same time, at the same place and the whole nine yards. So um Leads to very um, interesting suppositions and thoughts, and um, and you know it all could be just a bunch of hogwash too. It could be that this is the only reality, and that uh, all this stuff is being presented just to confuse us and to throw more uh, doubt into our faith and stuff like that. But if our faith is strong in Yeshua, it's this this uh, shouldn't affect it, and and our faith should. Uh, Withstand the test of and uh, rigors of this experiment or whatever it is that's being performed, if that's in case what the case of what's happening. So um, I'm not going to read the uh, the other article about multiverses. I've already explained why I don't think they exist. Um, but um, anyway, I just wanted to bring these things out to the light. Can you see now? We're at an hour and 57 minutes. And if I would have presented this on Monday, I would have taken all the time. Nobody would have been able to talk. So I think these little uh, mini, uh, well, tonight's not a mini. It's been almost two hours. But these uh, um, shows that I put on during the week to explain things more clearly, from my understanding, are well worth it. So I just uh, i got to close out. I do have to go to bed. Um, I just wish and I hope and pray that you guys have a wonderful week. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, let's see if I can get to it quick enough. Um, we will be presenting. Oh, let's see. What will we be presenting? I had it written down. Okay. Um We're going to look at uh, the age old question concerning so-called space aliens. Some people assert that they believe that they are so-called aliens uh, that have come from our future or maybe our progeny that have come from the future to show us how to save ourselves from ourselves and stop destroying ourselves. Well, it's a problem with that, because if they don't succeed, then there's no way they can come back and tell us all this. Right. Um, now we're going to dispel that fallacy anyway. We're also going to talk about, um, uh, uh, aliens that they're not really extraterrestrials. The ones that say they are <clears throat> prove by their own words that they're liars. And, um, and what we're going to be talking about, um, different propulsion systems that supposedly exist that have not been brought to, out to the public. And, and the fact that, um, or the supposition probably is a better word that uh, we're able to transverse throughout the whole uh, solar system in a matter of uh, days rather than in in the matter of months or years. So um, anyway, it's going to be a pretty good show. So get a chance tomorrow night, Monday night. Actually, it's tonight. (laughs) I just realized the time. Um, Check it out and, and visit us. You can listen live or you can uh stream it later or download it later you could go to the delusion resistance and we have an archive page there. Uh the link is right at the top of the page of Delusion Resistance. And um, you could get any of our shows all the way back to two thousand and ten just by going there. So hey, this has been kinda of fun. It's been something that's on my heart and something I wanted to present. And I hope I presented it clearly and uh and giving you some more brain food to kinda of think about things and and, um, and to, and uh, just kind of spur you on to studying on your own, too. You know, it's, if you study and you study in the correct way and, uh, study with uh, scripture as the main focus, then, uh, some really neat things happen. And, um, I pray that that happens for you because it's, it's an awesome life living like this. Um, so have a wonderful, day, until we meet this afternoon or this evening, and uh, know that uh, there's nothing the enemy can throw at us, Uh, there's nothing that the enemy can manufacture that'll prosper, nothing, absolutely nothing. And if the enemy ends up taking out a few people because of our faith and and what we believe, then uh, the outcome is a win-win situation for us. Like Paul said, to live is in Christ, to die is gain okay so if you live you're living for Christ if you die you're going to heaven and being with him forever so um, it's, there's there's no losing prospect in that so um, well we will talk to you guys tomorrow all four of us will be here oh and uh, Jonathan Gray the archaeologist from New Zealand has agreed to be with us the following Monday so uh, come and listen to that one too that should be really good he's going to be talking about a variety of different things so um, hey, be blessed, know your love, loved, and that God is protecting you if you belong to him. If not, you better come around soon because time's getting short. So God bless you all. Good night.